why do I get like why are my sinuses draining now? How many? I was wondering how many of our opens start with me going, "Oh hey," because my guess is it's all of them. All of them. I will all put together a supercut. <laughs> no, nah, that takes time, and I, I'm not about that life. Uh, Everybody, welcome to you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan, and I'm Devin. And today we're talking about the Alfred Hitchcock horror classic, The Birds, a film that Ryan made De- Devin and I watch for the first time. But before we get into that, we like to talk about things that we watched in pop culture over the last week or so, and fill the guys in on what we've been up to outside of the the assignments for the podcast. Uh, Devin, I know you were talking before the show about how emotional you got watching a lot of things this past past few weeks. And I want to talk about the mm-hmm. first one that, that is really hits close to home for you, uh, which is uh, the coronation of King Charles III. <laughs> Hit me right in the feels. Guys, guys, I want you to know I was oh, ready. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no. So for those of you following along at home, uh. I have a... Plastic Union Jack with King Charles's face and the coronation dates in it. Oh, baby, was I ready for this coronation? Uh, <laughs> did you watch any of it? Listen, did you actually watch any of it? No, I saw the no. picture you sent of comparing him to uh, Supreme Leader Snoke, and that was it. Yeah, that's about right. Okay, uh, that's all you needed to see. I mean, okay. to be fair, it wasn't it wasn't overly great. It was a coronation, and I oh, learned no. that I am not mature enough the for these things. Out. They cut, they yeah, cut the feed. I think the, the UK feed. government wasn't happy with uh, <laughs> sarcastically no, it's, it's waving the, the flag. It's the royals. <laughs> Charles yeah, has killed so, before; he'll do it again. Uh, yeah, it, 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 the whole thing happened before, prior to me even waking up, and yeah. and honestly, all all I've seen is people doing different takes on the holy hand grenade from Mighty Python's search for the Holy Grail because of that apple ball yeah. thing that they handed him. So I've seen that a ton. Um, can, can, like, can we just acknowledge the fact that Devin right now looks like he's doing a, a really intense vocal solo? Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> um, so I, I went to my grandmother's uh, birthday party over the weekend, and uh, I got there. I was like, how, how are you feeling, Nana? You're excited? She's like, oh, I'm tired. I woke up and watched the coordination. I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, Devin's frozen. It's not, it looks like he's uh, – he's oh, Devin, Devin's out. Can I he's, – He's gone. Eh, he's still here, so. Well, okay. I can hear It looks you. like he's trying to come back. There, there we go. Is. My goodness. It, I, yeah. I'm not allowed to besmirch the king in a recorded <laughs> setting, apparently. Like I said while you were frozen, he, he's killed before. He'll kill again. Oh Um, gosh! So, as an American, what was it like experiencing that in the UK? Was there was was it was it weird? Was it exciting at all for you? Or it was both. It was it was exciting because it's like literally like watching history. Like this is this is a genuine historical moment. The the turning of the kings always is, but like it's weird because I was always taught to like hate kings. Like (laughs) in school, we're taught like. Kings are bad. America was good because we got rid of kings. So it was very weird to like watch one and like try to be proud of it. 
And that part was very strange. And I also just quickly realized that, like, I'm not mature enough to handle anything with any kind of significance. There was a point where, and Ryan sent a meme like this, but I did it live. He brought out the holy hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> and, uh, and the whole time I was like, and they'll feast upon the lambs and the orangutan and the breakfast cereal. And just, oh, it's, and it was the whole thing. Like, the whole thing was just that. It was wonderful and weird, and I'm glad I experienced it. More importantly, I'm glad I like went as like kind of all out for it as I did. Your your walls are so bare. Yeah, I want you to take that off of the 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 stem and, and frame just put it. On the wall. Yeah, and that's why I have the lights. It makes up for the the lack of colored walls. It's great. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, Devin, did you watch anything else this weekend? I did. This is the actual emotional thing I watched this weekend. Dang it. Yeah. Devin and I both saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And we're going to try to do this without spoilers. But I will say this. Um, I haven't cried that hard at a movie in my life. Like wow. I've ne- I've never been a wreck like I was at the end of this movie. It's it's even hard for me to talk about it right now because I did yeah. a whole re- I did a whole spoiler f- full spoiler review over on Brilliant but Lazy, which uh, if you're watching, you can uh, find the latest episode of that uh, wherever you get your podcasts or on the Victims and Villains YouTube page. Um, there's a moment at the end that just hit really close to home for me. Um, considering what I've gone, like stuff that's happened in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it rocked me and I wasn't expecting it as much to hit me as hard as it did. But Devin, how many times did you cry at this movie? Twice. Twice? Definitely twice. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, my guess is it's probably the same parts or similar parts as you. I love, I mean, I, I love this movie. This was the best way to end it. I, I think that there were a couple of ways the whole time I'm like, okay, they keep saying this is the end of this team. How would Devin have written this as the end of this team? And like, I kept like, oh, it'd be cool if they did this or this. I, they, I couldn't have written a better movie. They, they did the best job they could have with these, these people. And it made me love them even more, like how they ended them. Yeah. Ryan, you have not seen this movie do you have any no. interest in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I will eventually see it because yeah. I will eventually see all of the Marvel stuff simply because I just I want to keep pace to it. It's just I'm going to be dragging my feet a little bit on it. Yeah. Um, I do not believe I'm going to have the same feeling that you guys did, though, about it. Probably not. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure the thing that made me cry is not what made Devin cry. Oh, maybe not. And we can talk we'll about talk it after about the it. show. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. it after the show because I don't want to put spoilers out there. I will say the soundtrack is amazing. Yes. Uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy is the best MCU trilogy that they have made. Yes. Because it I is not – what I love about this movie, it does not rely on Infinity War and Endgame. It tells the story – it addresses things that happen in that – in those films, but it sticks to – you quit changing the colors, man. You're throwing me off. Uh, Sorry. It was an I, accident. It tells a complete story over three films, whereas when you get into like the Iron Mans and the Captain Americas, like the, the movies kind of get diluted by 
the Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron and Civil War is not a Captain America movie. It's Avengers 2.5. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, highly recommend Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to go see it again. I want to sit down and watch all three of these movies back to back because like now that I have like a whole arc for these characters, I feel like I'm going to get a lot more out of it, out of it than it did this time. Cause it's been a while since I watched one and two, but the fact that, I mean, rightly so this movie just focused on the characters or really wasn't kind of, but like the whole plot wasn't like guardians, the galaxy's in trouble. Come save the galaxy. And like, that wasn't really the plot. And I yeah. think that was the right move. Yeah, no, I I didn't know what the plot of this was going to be, and I think they did yeah. a really good job of balancing stuff that they needed to continue from part two into this one, like Adam Warlock and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, what we watched. Ryan, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? Well, I finally finished uh, The Bad Batch, uh, the latest season of it. So I got, a, I got fizzed out around like four or five hours uh, four or five episodes into it, stopped watching it as they were releasing, and I finally caught up to it the past couple of days. Devin, the first couple up, uh, for the first half of the season relies on callbacks and little okay. like, hey, look, we're in Dooku's castle. Remember Doku? Like, whatever, I messed up his name. Anyway, I get you. Remember him, but then after that type of a beginning, they start to go on their own storyline and their own thing that actually affects the characters and doesn't rely on like, we're going to this location, you know, we're talking to this person that, you know, like they don't rely on that. And it's just them dealing with their own storyline towards the end. And then I got really into it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It ends on probably the worst cliffhanger I've ever seen. So I know season three is going to be coming out here soon to explain (laughs) that whole mess. Um, but I mean, I enjoyed it so as much as an an adult cam. <laughs> I mean, I that's got me interested in it because I mean, a lot of Bad Batch season one turned into. Remember this guy? Do you remember this guy? Hey, look, it's the baby Rancor. Hey, look, mm-hmm. it's the baby this thing. And like, sure, you know what I mean? Like, that's cool, and it's cool to like have them connected and be like, oh wow, they were in the background and met with that person when this was happening there. Like, that's kind of cool. But, like, at some yeah. point, like, have anything emotionally relevant happen to these people, please. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's still the whole, like, uh, it's still the whole, like, you know, like, father-daughter dynamic thing with, like, sure. the kid on, on the show. So, I mean, that's being played t- to death right now all over media. Um, but, it's, yeah. And just in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. But this is a this is I don't know. I feel like because of the because of how important she is that you find out how important she is. It kind of makes it a tad bit different. And by by the middle part of the opening part of the season, Mm -hmm. she becomes part of the unit and not just like the kid they're looking after. Like they start oh, asking cool. her to, to, you know, like, you know, it's like, Hey, we need you to go on your own and do this on the mission instead of them okay. trying to like, you know, protect her. She's part of the unit and not just like a kid they're protecting. Yeah. 
So that, that's where I want it to go, and I'm glad I got yeah. there so fast. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's something that if if you're into wanting to know every inch of the background of you know what's going on in the background of keeping up uh, is with the Skywalkers, I highly recommend adding this to your watch list. But okay. if you don't really care that much about it, you don't need to see it. I'm going to have a lot of free time soon, so it's probably going under my watch list. Okay. You need to watch Ted Lasso first. <laughs> Did you love it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, you need to watch Ted Lasso. Because there's, okay, I've seen so many internet think pieces that are like, Ted Lasso lost its way. Ted Lasso lost its magic. Ted Lasso's not as Devin, 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 stop. <laughs> you do this all the time. I know. And we always prove you wrong. But these are the media that I get fed. Like I don't even look for this stuff. It just gets like it pops up yeah, on my news no, feed. There there has been a lot of criticism of Ted Lasso this season, but I think everything that they've done has been building to stuff. And the last few episodes have 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 proved me right. Good. So Good good good. Uh, fun fact, uh I've been watching the show that releases on when, on Wednesdays on Tuesday nights because it actually drops at like nine o'clock Eastern on Apple TV Plus. So are you like one of the first people to watch it then? Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of people do it. So I'm not the only one. But in case you didn't know, Ryan, if you want to watch Ted Lasso tonight, you can. Uh, <laughs> but all right, let's uh, get into today's main topic. The Alfred Hitchcock film, The Bird, starring Rod Taylor, Tippi Hedren, and Jessica Tandy. Uh, This is Ryan's pick. Ryan, you go ahead and take it away. Okay, so like Alan said, it's The Birds. Uh, This movie released in 1963. It was on the tail end of Albert Hitchcock's career. Um and it, it basically became an instant, well, didn't really become an instant classic when it came out. It came out to mixed reviews. Um, but it since then, after the uh, as the years have gone by, it's become into a classic. Um, my first experience with this movie, I don't know, I think like four or five, maybe six. I, w- w- we were visiting my grandparents. They put it on. They lived in rural Arkansas, so of course the next day I was afraid to even go into the barn um, <laughs> after seeing this. Um, but it's quickly turned into one of my favorite like older movies. I don't watch it that often, maybe once every two years. But when I watch it, I end up watching it again, or maybe like two or three times in a month. Just because of, you know, just how much I kind of just like it playing in the background. I forget how much I like it. Um... There are some silly, outdated camera uh, techniques and film decisions that were made in this movie, which I'm sure we will get to. Um, But that's my experience with it. That's where it is for me. Um, It's not my favorite Hitchcock film, but it's on the list of like top 10. So your guys' experience, what did you know about it before? Your, you know, how'd you feel about it? We've talked about this before on the show. My experience with... Alfred Hitchcock is I've seen two of his films one was South by Southwest which you made me watch (coughs) North by Northwest sorry Um, and then I watched Rear Window in every film class that I took at Penn State (laughs) like I kid you not I saw that three times at Penn State on a big screen and after the third time after the, the first time I was like I don't need to watch this again 
I'm not going to come to class that day. Um, I hadn't seen this before. My wife had. She was in the room when I watched it. So we got to talk about some things that we're going to we'll probably touch on a bit later on in the in the show. But I enjoyed it. Um, I, I want to see more Hitchcock. I like I like his stuff. Okay. I like the, I like the cut of his jab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. It was a good movie. I mean, it's one of those where, like, sure, there was some older, like, filming techniques used, but, like, a good movie is a good movie. You know what I mean? Alfred yeah. Hitchcock's really good at suspense. He's really good at getting you to go, come on, come on, notice the thing, notice the thing. <laughs> and, like, and that's really good. Also, if I hear that little kid song one more time, I'm going to get so mad. <laughs> I was ready for one of you too. No, I. But no, it was a really, really, really good movie. Um, I I'm shocked that I hadn't seen this before, and I I'll want to spend some time talking about his like camera work because he's he's so good. Like the only other Alfred Hitchcock movie I've ever seen was Vertigo, and I just I love like I I could just watch like what three hours of him filming San Francisco. That would so good. That would be very interesting. I'd love it. I'd love he'd, it. He'd be in every other scene. He'd be in every... Other. Fine. Was he in this movie? Did I miss him? Did he give okay. himself a cameo? Okay, so that's the first thing that I'm going to touch on. Albert Hitchcock was one of those directors that liked to put him in to... He liked to put himself into the background of movies. Whether it be like, like a one-sentence speaking role or just in or just walking in the background down the street. Um he shows up in the first like 3 minutes of this one. Um he is walking out of the pet shop as she is walking in to pay, uh he is walking out of the pet shop with his dogs. I don't really know if they're if, if they're his dogs, actual dogs or not, but um he's walking out of the pet stop when she's uh pet shop as she's walking in. Did so, you catch him? Did you catch yeah, him? Yeah, I mean no, I missed it. No. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. to be in the first five seconds of the movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, and 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 usually that's not the case. Usually it's like in the middle or some random part later on. It's not, you know, like the very first thing. Um, and I think one th- uh, one reason why I think possibly one of you two probably missed it um, is because of what happens to her. Some little kid cat calls her. And she turns around and smiles, and it's right after that that he walks out of the pet shop. Yeah, there was, <laughs> there were some older sentiments in this movie <laughs> that aren't always great. Yeah, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it just yeah. if you look at it as a period piece, and you look at it kind of in the time frame in which it's set, it's yeah, fine. yeah, like yeah. It, it is, but then you get into the ad- allegory of what this movie is talking about, and it's like, eh, it's still not good. D- dive into that for me. I don't know what the allegory of what this movie is talking about. I did a very surface level uh, watching this. So, is it this, is it too much for this? I'll save it for later. How's that? Okay, yeah. I mean, because we can, yeah. Okay, I I didn't know the movie was an allegory. It, it is. I just figured. I. I haven't even looked into this movie that deeply. I just figured that it was just a, you know, like, oh, beware of nature. It, thing. It's the kind but, of thing where I made a joke about a line in the movie. And my wife's like, well, actually, 
Uh, oh, oh boy. I was like, wait, really? And then as soon as I as soon as I made that connection, the rest of the movie made sense to me. I was like, oh, okay. So but is I'll that why? It, I'll save it for later. I'll save it for later. Okay, okay, because I know. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so, okay, so the movie starts off with the main character. I, I don't have the names in front of me, but the movie starts off with who I consider to be the main character. Uh, she's in the pet shop. She wants to buy a bird. A guy walks in who recognizes her, and they pretty much troll each other. The one guy is pretend. Uh, the main lead role is pretending that she works at the pet shop. She, uh, even though she doesn't, she pretends it back and a bird gets loose and havoc ensues um what did you guys think of that whole beginning piece of just how it was done just the how it was dragged out actually because this is one of those movies that i don't mind the slow these uh that that that, that i don't mind the slow this uh the slow burn I mean, I thought it was i thought it was good i thought it was interesting i tried not to look into how much the guy was kind of being a jerk <laughs> during all of that but it yeah. apparently worked because she followed him home so i mean i guess it was fine but i really liked her part where she just tried her best where he's like are they malting she's like sure some are <laughs> it's like, no they're not Stop yeah it. no yeah i i liked that it took a while like you have birds at the beginning at the at the bird shop but i like that it took a while and it spaces out the attacks before like it's mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. opening credits Bird attack, like. <laughs> uh, so I like that. I like the pacing of it. The pacing was good. Yeah. I have yeah. a question for you, Ryan. Yes. I meant to ask this at the top of the show, but I want to ask it now. Why did you make us watch a movie about something you don't believe in? <laughs> <laughs> See, at this point, birds were still birds. At this point, that switchover hadn't happened no, yet. No, 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 it. This this is the beginning of it. Like you know how Kubrick did the moon landing. Hitchcock made the birds. Like uh, that's... Yeah, no, but th- th- that's not the story. You see, the CIA <laughs> went to JFK about this at the start of his administration, and JFK said, "No, we're not doing this. We don't have the funding, and that's you know incredibly wrong." That's that's why what happened to JFK happened, and then after his administration, eventually. <laughs> um, they uh, th- 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 they talk to his predecessor, and he's the one that, that oh, actually man. put stuff in motion. We got King Char- we got King Charles coming after Devin. We got the CIA <laughs> coming after Ryan. We're on all kinds <sighs> of lists tonight, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I, hold on, I did have a, a quick question about the movie. Is the movie a horror movie, or is the movie? Uh, a I suspense consider movie? I consider it a horror suspense from from the from from the early nineteen sixties. Would you consider it a horror, Alan? I, I would. Uh, horror doesn't need to be bloody and gory. Like, it can just be suspenseful. Because uh, I was thinking about that. Like, And horrible the, things need to happen, hence the name of the genre. Or just terrifying right. things. Like, it doesn't have to be... Like, you don't have to know what happens to for it to be horrific. Um, That's true. I mean, I, I think I, my... I would, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd consider it a horror. I think it just I for me it was just so suspenseful that I was like okay it's just like a it's like a thriller movie like it's not really like an, an actual like horror horror but maybe it's cuz I like my like the modern terms of like horror and like coming fresh off the back of Lords of Salem 
like, <laughs> okay, this is nothing like that. <laughs> okay. Um, now, this... Okay, so the movie in about... Tw- uh, for 25 minutes is when the movie starts to the first bird attack. That that pretty much happens to her. Um, my One of my favorite scenes in the first half of this movie happens in that time frame when she's driving in her Aston Martin to the little village and they focus on the two little lovebirds that, that she got for the guy's younger sister for her birthday mm-hmm. and they show the birds leaning into the turn as she's turning the steering wheel <laughs> and that whole sequence of like the, of like the tires squealing and everything because they're really trying to show that like she is self-involved she is driving rec- she is driving recklessly to 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 the point that these birds are having to bend their bodies to keep on the little stand that 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 they're on um and then she gets to the town um which would be like her driving that car into that town would be like someone driving uh a uh a Rolls Royce into Newville. <laughs> That's how much she stood out in that town driving that car. And now um, the new superintendent of Big Spring School is coming after Ryan. Yes, yeah, we do. Yes. <laughs> One thing that what that I always like, go into horror movies like this thinking and trying to figure out is I know what's happening. But why? Like, what? What is the reason that all of these are attack? Or like, all these birds are attacking? Is it her? Like, is she the cause? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a theory, but I want to get your guys' take on it. Like, what was causing the birds to attack? Brian, you've watched I, this movie several yeah. times. Do you have a theory? Yeah. I just, I honestly believe that it's supposed to be left off as completely non-answerable. But if I had to put my finger on it, the the late 60s, there was a giant push of technology um, and research, and there was a new belief in human superiority over the planet um, in the late 50s, early 60s. And I feel like this was kind of a, I feel like, I feel like this was the director going, ah, we're not there yet. Mother Nature can still kind of, while, you know, can can kind of put us back in our place. So I feel like it was more of a, like, hey, knock that ego down a little bit type of, uh, type of a thing. Okay. See, I took it as, like, a response to the, the beginning part of the movie. Where in the beginning part of the movie, I mean, literally until she gets to Bodega Bay... In almost every shot, there's a scene of a caged bird. Yeah. And it's like a call and response. Like, in the beginning, you see nothing but caged birds. And in the end, those birds are clearly mad because this is what you're doing to them. Yeah. And, like, I almost took it as, like, la resistance. Like, <laughs> my, my, my theory kind of plays off of yours, Devin. Okay. I think, I think it's a reaction to the lovebirds. Really? Like, as soon as she brings them to town, that's when things start to happen. Because at first I was like, maybe the school teacher's is a witch. And I was like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think it has to do with the lovebirds. It's really interesting. Because did they bring them at the at the end? Did they bring them? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I like that. I like that yeah. theory. I'm keeping it. <laughs> it's so it's a decent theory. So this is one of the reasons, by the way, that I'm glad that that Ryan, you, you put your like your opinion on a lot of things because I didn't know about her like Aston Martin. I didn't know what kind of car it was. I didn't yeah. know like its place. I was like, that's an old car, and she's driving into an old town, <laughs> and like just didn't like connect anything there. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where. She was the daughter of a newspaper like owner, so she's supposed to be like from one of the richest families in San Francisco, probably like top twenty list of richest families in California at the point. Um, at, at that point, so they were trying to show how much as of a fish out of water she was, um, especially with how like the store owner reacts to her when he asks her, "Do you know how to work?" a outboard motor and she goes oh yeah sure i've done it before and he just glances her up and down and mentally you can see the look on his face is like yeah okay i'll go get you the boat <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um yeah is know. so yeah. hold on then while we're talking yeah, about fine. this is what she does in the beginning creepy or is it endearing because like it really towed the line of being like a bit much it, it, it's a bit much. Yeah. I, I think, think it shows. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I think it shows that trying to date when you're past like your mid twenties is really difficult, and people do what they have to. <laughs> <laughs> and that's never well, changed. <laughs> well, it's hard for me to say because I, the subtext of the movie that I'm looking th- this at kind of changes that whole thing a little bit interesting but, okay so I, I okay think we should i think we should get into this okay okay, okay. um there's a lot of talk about san francisco in this yeah. yes and i was at, at one point i jokingly said wow did hitchcock have a problem with the homosexuals and my wife's like well <gasps> and then if you look at this whole movie as an allegory for the homosexual lifestyle in the 60s it makes a lot of sense um, oh no! So the the school teacher moves there to to date him, but mm-hmm. they have a falling out. But she stays because she still cares for him. He's a single man living with his mother and sister. Um, the way the woman attacks her in the restaurant after the f- bird attack, like mm-hmm. this is all your fault. You're evil, and then and like she just slaps her in reaction. Like there's a lot of stuff there. And The Birds is based off of a short story by Daphne de Manure, uh, mm-hmm. who was who was a, a lesbian writer. Um, and I, I, I'm a cis white male, so I don't want to dive into this too much. But it, it's an interesting take on the film. And uh, it, it's an interesting adaptation if you look at it through that lens. That's incredible. And- and this is the this was the second attempt to bring that uh, that short story into really mainstream media. Um, it was first done as a radio play, and then mm. they got the rights again to originally do it as a second radio play. Um, and then Hitchcock Hitchcock got wind that they were doing it again. It was like, no, 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 no. This can be one of my shows because he had that TV show. 
um, that this could be an episode. And then he developed the story and went, no, 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 no. This is not an episode. This needs to be its own movie. Yeah. And then that's how this movie came about. So were those overtones, the the kind of subtext you were talking about, Alan, were they present in the the original like I, short story? I don't know. I'm tr- I was trying to look that up a bit. Um, looking at the uh, the author's uh, Wikipedia page. Um, but okay. I have an article here I can send you guys about the Freudian ex- examination of homosexuality in the birds. That's incredible. Yeah. I had and no idea that right. there was this much that that was even part of this because I've never looked at anything up like that for this movie. So, What you was were, the line that tipped you off, Alan? I think it was right before. It was just like, uh, you're not even going to be safe in San, San Francisco. Or like people judging her for being from San Francisco. And I was like, well, oh. wait a second. I was so. Wow, yeah. what a good catch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, yes. Uh, no, I was going to say, it wasn't my catch. My wife educated me because she's a yeah. teacher. There you go. <laughs> um, well done. So she goes, puts the birds on the porch, comes yeah. back. First bird attack happens there. It's one seagull comes down and grazes her skull. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as they do, as they do. <laughs> um, and her interest comes down pulls her out of the boat. They go into the little restaurant, um, which when she goes in to the restaurant, there's a guy that like talks to them for like two lines. He's the actual owner of that restaurant. And that was a condition to let Hitchcock film in that restaurant that the owner Aww. had to like be like there. And he was like, yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. Um, Love it. So, she gets attacked. That's the first bird attack. I believe the second one, um, uh, before anything worse happens, she spends the night. She uh, uh, she spends that night with uh, staying at the teacher's house, mm-hmm. which plays into what Alan was saying even more, which I'm realizing now. Um, and, <laughs> they're, um, and they're just talking, and then there's like a bang at the door, and there's a crow or a seagull that had just flew right into the front door. That's mm-hmm. like the second bird thing. And there's a bird attack again on the main town uh, after the school gets attacked. And one of the most famous scenes, which, which, which I'm going to bring up. Um, and then there's a bird attack at a birthday party. Um, I'm giving these purposely out of order in case there's anyone out there who hasn't seen the movie yet. You're going to know <laughs> what's, what's going to happen, but I'm going to kind of make it a little, okay. I don't mm. think we need to worry about a movie that came out in 1963 and spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still, I'm still no, just it's... want to give a little bit, you know, of a surprise. Oh, a good call. Um, so the scene with her at the playground where mm. she's out. that Because as far as I'm aware, that's so that's like the most famous bird attack scene from 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 this movie have you guys seen that scene before or seen i i hadn't i hadn't seen that scene before but that's what i like about hitchcock is how he shows you the building tension and like just mm-hmm. every cut back and forth with more birds landing like i i really enjoyed yeah. that um because that's a great way to build tension without much happening like she's yeah. sitting there and then just the birds landing and then she goes inside and 
I like that a lot. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen that one. I saw the scene where they walk past it later, and the birds are still hanging out on the jungle gym. Like, keep walking, buddy. <laughs> like, I've seen that scene a couple of it's times. Just, it's yeah. just the crows from Dumbbell. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real scary part of the movie. Mm. That they're back. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so that gets into some of the effects I wanted to talk about, mm. about this. So a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of the scenes were very plainly obvious and it's what it was. They were running on a giant, like all of the kids and the, and, and the actresses were running on treadmills in front of a screen that was playing. And that's oh. how they did a lot of the running scenes where it's like you'd watch and you could clearly tell that like the people are running in, you know, like they're, they're the main focus of the camera, but then behind them, it's just a screen playing, you know, what, what, what the background going. is. Um, and believe it or not, they did use real birds for a lot of this stuff too. Um, wow. I know that it's the early sixties, but the, uh, the, the film crew and the producers uh, linked up with the uh, um, ASPCA, and that they actually had vets on uh, on set, and they had like a little bird hospital triage thing going. Um, no birds died during the filming of this. One or two got a little hurt, but they were fine. Um, in fact, uh, the uh, the human actors actually sustained more mental and physical damage uh, from making this movie, which, yeah, there's well, that. I, I think this leads into, like, the only fact I know about this movie, then, is that okay. during the scene when she's up in the attic for her bird yeah. attack, where with Tippi Hendren's up there, it wasn't just, like, special effects. Like, I heard they had, like, crew members throwing bags of live birds at her. Is that uh, true? She, she had... Um, she had two birds that were loosely tied to her, and it took five days to film that scene. Five so days. she so she had two birds at least loosely tied to her during some of those shots, and they legitly um, injured her. Um, her wow. cheek and her one eye to the point where she actually spent a week in the hospital after they were oh. done. Um, and she, she also had a mental break from she, it too. So she, she was also in the hospital for that. Was she feeling a bit under the feather? <laughs> you know, 70 years removed, we can make that joke. <laughs> um, I love it. But, but, but yeah, I mean, she, she, uh, she, she, she developed, uh, like temp, Attempt. I don't want to make light of PTSD, but she basically sure. made like a. T yeah. She she basically developed a temporary version of that after making this movie because of dealing with the birds attacking her pretty much for wow. five days. Yeah, they were not just throwing birds at her, Devin. She, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it looks like that. It, it does. It it does look like that though. It does. So it really I could definitely though. see. Yeah. Um. So the attack on the town has probably the most dated film sequence that I want to talk about, especially with Alan here, because he's more of our expert on this stuff. I understand why they did it, but it still boggles my mind every time I see it. 
it's her reacting to the gasoline catching on fire and the three stills of her face being like shocked, shocked, and then shocked. Um, I don't know if if it's how long the they linger on her face for more than like, I feel like it's only up for a second, but I feel like it should have only been up for like a half a second or a quarter of a second because it looked kind of silly. But then again, it's it's 1963. I get what he was trying to do. Um, it just, it really stands out like a sore thumb at this yeah, point. I'm pulling the clip up just to watch it again quick. Oh, because um, this yeah. definitely stood out to me when I was watching it too. I was like, oh, there's a reaction. Oh, they did it again. Yeah. Oh, there it is a third time. <laughs> Why is it still? I, now, yeah. I totally get that. It's supposed to convey fear and shock, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to um, show that, like, like the worst thing she could imagine happening at that moment happened. So I totally get the facial expressions. It's just I feel like the I feel like they I feel like they held on it way too long each time. <laughs> yeah, Dev. Yeah, Alan Alan's it. seeing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Alan, what's your take on that? Um. <laughs> look at me doing visual jet ja- ja- gags on a audio podcast um so it it's reaction shots and it it's yeah. the shock and awe of the the horror of what she's seeing um uh, and i'm trying to figure out if her eyes actually follow yeah if you watch it like her it's just showing She's following the action. So her yeah. eyes are following the flame as it goes. It's just weird that she's frozen. Like yeah. Her mm-hmm. eye line just stops. It's not like... It'd be one thing if it was smooth and like... Yeah, and she was like watching the flame go. Yeah. Yeah, but instead it, it looks like an uh, 80s music video. Where she's like... Don't worry about Mr. Roboto. Yeah, I um, I think it's just the way it's cut that makes it seem like if the eye line was moving, it would work a lot better. Yeah, instead of just yeah. being I, frozen in one spot. Okay, good. So on the professional opinion, <laughs> it correlates to how Devin and I feel <laughs> about to be fair, it too. Though, the lead up to that scene is my favorite part of the movie because yeah. I love the idea of this guy being shouted at to not do one very simple, very specific thing. Don't do the thing. And he panics so much, he does the thing. Like, yeah. well, that is so relatable to me. Now, this is 1963. They were, the um, uh, the mother who eventually slaps the, the lead actress that Alan was talking about, she's pushing this guy who's drunk at the bar in the restaurant yeah. to leave so they can follow him. So yeah. he's drunk and he's going to get into the car and they're going to follow him to this destination that they're going to be. So he's already plastered when that happens to <laughs> at the same time, which, which, I mean, just adds humor for me. Um, and and fire to the flame. Uh. And fire to the flame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, th- this also has probably the most terrifying moment for me that, like, in the whole movie, with everything that happens, the scariest part that I would not want to be in, or the scariest situation that I wouldn't want to be in, is in the phone booth. In the middle oh, yeah. of all of that. Okay. Um, 
Now, like I said, no birds were actually, like, two two birds were injured, they were dealt with, they were fine. No birds actually died. Um, but they used, like, heavy sandbag birds to throw at, the, uh, at like, breakable glass to get that, like, pop uh, reaction or oh, that wow. pop, like, glass break on there. Um, I just don't like the idea of being in a confined space like that with that whole situation going on mm-hmm. and especially with that one moment where 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 she thinks the car is gonna hit her and it veers off to the side and hits the car that started the fire to begin with like that mm-hmm. whole thing um what did you guys think of that i think you're right i think it is a, i mean it, it's especially scary because if the birds are attacking like in a house right you have like other rooms or like a thing you could hide under yeah, it's yeah. just like a, a phone booth is a very exposed thing. Like, where do you go aside from out? And like, if they start coming in, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I completely that, agree. That's why we don't have phone booths anymore. That's it. <laughs> that's the reason. Um, one thing I'll, I'll say about this movie is it, it, I can see where M. Night Shyamalan got the inspiration for The Happening. Have you guys yeah, seen The Happening? Okay. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Okay, good. So we don't have to do it on the show. No. Like, no. I, can, I can see where he got the idea for that from the, something like this. But this is so much more terrifying because you have that visual, like, actual attacking from the birds. Like, you actually have that physical threat that's visible instead of it just – like, if the birds were invisible this whole time, it wouldn't be nearly as scary. I agree, and I think that because I get again, it's like you said, I get what he was going for. Where like you don't see it, so it could be ubiquitous; it could be anywhere, in much the same way that like the birds are anywhere. But I think when it's an invisible thing and the happening, you lose that sense of well, why are they even doing this? Which is like such a big talking point in this movie, and such like a a big source of tension, because like you can't have a scene like the last scene of the movie uh, where you're walking out among all of these birds and will they, won't they attack? You can't have that if it's literally air that's getting you or spoilers for M. Night Shyamalan is happening, I guess, but pollen or something. The trees are killing people? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well delivered, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. I, I, that was supposed I, to be my yeah. Mark, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that was hor that that movie's horrible. Anyway, um, moving <laughs> on. Was horrible. No, uh, no, 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 not the impression, just the movie in general. It was horrible. Um, okay. yeah, it, it's it's fine. It's whatever. Um, if I was doing Zoe Deschanel, I had to put on my glasses. <laughs> now you're a relatable girl next door. Well done, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, when they get into the house and they're mm-hmm. boarding the thing up, mm-hmm. what did you guys think was going to happen? How did you guys think this was going to end? How horrible do you think this was going to get? I didn't think Tippi Hendren made it. Made it. I, I like up until even the end. I'm like, yeah, she's dead. Like I thought that's what was going to happen. I didn't think the ending was going to turn out the way it did. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought she was either going to die in that last attack or just die on the way to the ho- like the way out. 
Mm-hmm. So okay. Um, was that your expectation, Ryan? Did you think so too, or? Uh, as a um, my first time watching this as a tiny little kid, yep. I can't even tell you what I was thinking. All I know, like I said, is that I didn't want to go into my grandfather's barn as <laughs> the day after watching this movie. Um, but one of the things that I found interesting, and I'm pretty sure if you get a DVD copy, if you can find a VHS copy, which is what my which is what my grandparents had, mm-hmm. um, there is no the end. Mm-hmm on this and it's like a minute and a half of just blackness until the credits like start rolling at the end um hitch 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 hitchcock did that purposely because he wanted the audience to be in that like terrified suspension of what devin was talking about um for as long as possible was it that he did that on purpose for that intentionally or was it because the money ran out and he couldn't do his last shot with all the birds on the golden gate bridge like he wanted to wait is that what he was gonna do yeah he wanted to do that no um it was intentional because during the first weekend release the studio put it in anyway because they wanted it um and hitchcock threw such a fit at the studio that they took it out and they resent out the movie without it. Wow. Interesting. So th- that was intentional from him. So hold on the way that the movie ended for me, then having only seen and having only known about this version that we watched is that they drive away and yeah, ostensibly, at least from my reaction, the birds are done. Like tippy's done. They're not following her. Like, they're out of the picture, like, bird attacks, done. Is, like, the canon ending to this that, like, we didn't see that, like, the birds take over the world? I, I think the, the canon ending to this is you don't know what happens next. Like, it's ambiguous oh. to make you terrified of going outside and seeing a bird sitting on your car. Also, Devin, while you were talking, that blind behind you moved, and I thought a bird was going to fly through your window. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would have been incredible. It's just a British ghost. It's fine. It's just a British ghost. I mean, the window's ghost. open, and it's a breezy, thundery night. Okay. 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 I was, that was my next question. Like, is, is there, like, a draft or something? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're okay. I wasn't sure if Alfred Hitchcock was coming to join us on the show. Friend of the show, Alfred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> That's where the way that I've always taken this movie until Alan, you brought it up, the allegory for it. I always took this movie again as like at the tail end of the 50s, early 60s, science, human engineering. We thought that we were at like the top of our game and this was like an ego push. You'd be like, no, stop it. Um, And so I always took it that at the end of this, because on the radio, it said that there were other attacks that have been, you know, that have come in and that the National Guard was called. And he says about, you know, you know, over a wide area. So it's not just that town that's being attacked. It's everywhere. And then the fact that it's the Golden Gate Bridge is covered in them um, in a scene that he wanted to do that he couldn't just kind of verifies that for me. So as far as I'm concerned, every uh, from... Bogate from Bogata, whatever bay, um, to Bodega. 
Bodega, thank you, to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, is covered in birds. Covered in birds. Can, can we talk about like like De- Devin? What's the first thing you yeah. think of when you think of a bo- when you think of a bodega? Oh, it's like in New York City, like the things yeah. you buy sandwiches and like the, chips from. Yeah, the fact that, that there's a whole island named Bodega Island. I was just waiting for like a rand- random cast to show up that you don't like, know where <laughs> they came from. Uh, and, the like, Bodega Cat. Yeah, good breakfast sandwiches and stuff. That, that, that caught me off guard. Okay, I guess he just looked up a word and picked it as the name of the island. So. <laughs> I mean, it's a real place. Is it? Yeah, good old Bodega Bay. Yeah. I, okay. Hmm. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's remind it's one me, of those like remind me never to go to there, go there for bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Anything so else? You, yeah, go ahead. I have one last thing. You brought up something about birds in this movie and the practical effects. How I I love this about old practical movies. How the heck did they do the last shot? Do you know? Do you know anything about this? If you don't, that's fine. It's just movie magic. But like, it's a. It's a combination of foreground and fake birds, real birds. Like here, uh, a big example. These, uh, as as the birds are building up on the playground equipment, mm-hmm. the only birds that are real are the ones that are moving. All the rest of them are stuffed, are just fake prop birds on the <laughs> playground equipment. When you put it that way, it sounds so incredibly obvious. But when you watch the movie, it it really doesn't feel like that. They all feel yeah. real. Yeah, and it's because like it's because I, Hitchcock it's his, is Hitchcock for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's the one thing I started this with. It's like it is a it's an incredibly shot movie. I mean, some of these scenes are in are phenomenal. Like, yeah, it, I mean, even what you said, the scene of her driving, like. There's a like a wide shot of her driving down the road that holds on it for a while, that I think is almost better filmed than a lot of movies I've seen today, and probably yeah. some movies that I'll recommend in the near future. Yeah. yeah, what I like about this last shot is there. There's so much going on there you can't tell what's real and what's not. Yeah, uh, but it also like paints a picture with the cl- the sun poking through the yeah. clouds and the light beams shooting down over the water, and you can't really tell if that's just bushes out in the distance or if it's more birds like it's like i i you could it, i i if i saw this framed in a art shop i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> i mean it's haunting it really is because i mean there's yeah. so many of them and it's it's like like hitchcock does you're literally just waiting for them to attack yeah. like as the car drives away the, the one yeah the one thing this movie is missing from other like fake bird movies is little children dressed as giant penguins, like in <laughs> Batman Returns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so th- the last thing I want to leave with is sound. Um, the screeching birds, the yelling birds, was great. Um, the best use of that was was when they're in the house and they have the fire going, and it's that bird attack where he's nailing stuff to the yeah. doors because you can almost see it's almost comical the little beaks are coming through the the uh, door a little bit um when they did the premiere of this and everyone walked out uh the the crew had hid uh hid speakers in the trees and in bushes and cars around the theater so when people came out of the movie theater they turned that sound on uh. of like the birds screeching to kind of you know push things home a little bit 
love it. Some um, of the some of the bird screeches sounded like record scratches to me, which is fine. Oh, th- th- yeah. But yeah. All right. Anything else for the birds before we wrap this thing up? No. No, this right. is a great movie. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing more Hitchcock in the future. I'm also mm-hmm. looking forward to the reason why De- Ryan's making us watch this and other Hitchcock stuff. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that as well. Um, Devin, next week is your pick. What are you going to have us watch? So I didn't realize that we had such a glaring gap in our movie background. So I picked one that I'm really excited to to introduce to at least one of you. Uh, <laughs> it's Mission Impossible, the first one. I didn't know Alan hadn't seen it. And like Mission Impossible number two is why I love movies. It's such a... We'll get to it when we get to it. But you can't watch two without one. So we're starting with one. It's a stone cold classic. Still one of my favorites. Are you going to try to make us watch all the Mission Impossibles before Dead Reckoning comes out? When does Dead Reckoning come out? Let me look. Because, Because perhaps... So the one thing that the Mission Impossible movies had done for me is uh limp biscuit did i think the yes, like music did. video number for two. mission impossible 2 yes yeah. that soundtrack made me go out and buy a ton of soundtracks um including end of days with arnold schwarzenegger the one where they yeah. did like the end of the world with like the year 2000 um and it was all like new metal for like the like late 90s new metal and rock and it was just yeah the Mission Impossible movies, the the first three anyway, hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I think they're incredible. It Dead Reckoning comes part one comes out July twelfth. Oh, part one. Part yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um. So if you if you want, I don't. We're not gonna have enough time to do all six before then. We but could you, certainly do all six before the next the the part two comes out. Or we could t- or we could double up. We could double up, but Mission Impossible. We'll we'll double up once we get after three. We have okay. to do that. Okay. Two is a special movie to me. We need to do this one on its own. Okay. Works for me. Perfect. I cannot wait for you guys to watch this yeah. movie. Yeah. So uh, tune in next week for that. Uh, you can also, if you haven't heard yet, we will be at Harrisburg Pop and Co- Comic and PopCon. August 26th and 27th. It's going to be a lot of fun. They just, they're starting to announce guests for that. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, one of the boondock segments will be there. Not that yeah. one. Um, <laughs> so make sure to come out and see us there. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And listen to You Have to Watch This Podcast on all major podcasting platforms. Until next time, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And have a good evening. My, my Hitchcock is just Dr. Evil. Pretty good, though. I mean, it fits. <laughs> Dr. Evil or Lorne Michaels. They're one in the shame.